Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This week's episode is presented by The Skin Store. For over 20 years, The Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, The Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skincare needs. Find your favorite brands like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, The Skin Store is offering listeners 20% off of your next purchase by using the code POD, that's code P-O-D, for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com slash pod dot list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Exclusions apply. Let's start the show. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I'm your host. It is Sunday, April 4th. Happy Easter to everyone listening, and thank you for listening. This is Thinking Outside the Boombox. Another exciting episode for you today as the Back in the Day Tournament Volume 2 rolls on in the studio once again. I have my guest co-host, Karen. Say hello. Hello. Welcome back to the studio and the podcast. Uh, So this is week three of the tournament. Um, The past couple weeks we have uh, solidified the contenders of the tournament uh, by deciding the winners of, let me see, 16 play-in games uh, to determine who would be in the first round of the tournament. And then last week we uh, sent eight albums to the Sweet 16, and this week we will send another eight, solidifying the 16 contenders that will continue to battle for the title. Um, So, as usual uh, on a tournament episode, the 
song of the week and the press play segment. All of that information can be found in the podcast newsletter. Um, one thing I do want to say about the song of the week, we've had a number of overtime games in the tournament so far, a number of tiebreakers. Um, didn't see that many in the first uh, in the first volume of the Back in the Day tournament uh, with the hip-hop albums. So what I've been doing for the song of the week is one of the albums that was eliminated in an overtime game, uh, that best song that we decided um, you know, was the best song that ended up losing in the tiebreaker will be the song of the week the following episode. Um, have a feeling we might have some tiebreakers this week, so I think that trend will continue. But you can find all the links and everything to the song of the week and, you know, any new music and music videos and all of that stuff that you should check out um, in the podcast newsletter. Go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. You can either put your email in on the homepage um, and get the podcast newsletter emailed to you after every episode, or you can go to the newsletter tab and check out the newsletters there. Um, so without any further ado, let's jump right into the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome back. Let's jump right into the tournament. So this week we will be tackling the first round of the Fan Love Conference. To reiterate, uh, all of the albums in this conference uh, received their seedings and their rankings via the Metacritic fan score. So fans can go on Metacritic and give rankings for albums. And so that is how uh, each album in this conference received their ranking. Uh, there are two divisions, the Diary of Alicia Keys division and the Confessions division, named after uh, two of Karen and I's favorite R&B albums. Uh, so we're going to start in the Diary of Alicia Keys division. Uh, we have the One Seed Trilogy by The Weeknd facing off against the Ten Seed Chasing Summer by Sir. The Four Seed Sweet Sexy Savage by Kalani going up against the Five Seed Shea Butter Baby by Ari Lennox. The three seed reality show by Jasmine Sullivan facing off against the six seed, a seat at the table by Solange and the two seed electric lady by Janelle Monet, excuse me, the electric lady by Janelle Monet facing off against the eight seed four by Beyonce. So let's start with trilogy versus chasing summer trilogy by the weekend was released on November 13th, 2012 while chasing summer by Sir was released August 30th, 2019. So there are five categories, five games. Um, the best of three wins and advances to the Sweet 16. Those categories are success, achievements, quality, cohesion, and legacy. So let's start with success. Trilogy by the weekend has sold at least 3 million units while Chasing Summer's sales are unknown. So right off the bat, Trilogy takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements, uh, there were no Grammys for either album. Uh, Trilogy, uh, with regards to the Billboard charts, had higher rankings and uh, greater longevity. So it takes a slight lead there. And then Trilogy also had four platinum songs to one gold song for Chasing Summer. So Trilogy takes a 2-0 lead. Moving into quality, what are your thoughts on quality here? I think uh, as I re-listened to Trilogy, 
I definitely liked it more than I remembered liking it. Uh, I was curious, uh, and we can talk about this later outside the context of the matchup, but I was curious since this was the combination of three mixtapes where the lines of demarcation were, uh, because that's not apparent on uh, Apple Music. But I, I think the fact that I was even thinking about this tells me that the weekend's project was maybe a little bit less fully formed um, and consistently well produced than Chasing Summer. Um, I think that like the weekend's vocals have definitely evolved since this project. <laughs> he had some like very passionate man at the open mic who may have had a few too many energy on some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so for vocal consistency and production, I would go for Chasing Summer in terms of quality. Uh, so to answer your question, each of the mixtapes was nine songs long, and then he added a an extra song, it looks like, per. So now there are 30 songs total. So where the mixtapes ended would be after nine uh, oh, actually, on Apple Music, you can see um, kind of how it has 1 through 10, and then it starts over at 1 oh, through 10. I see, I see. Uh, so the 10th song is the new one that he added when he combined these, and the ninth songs are the end of each mixtape. Got it. Well, I, I can definitely say I liked 1 through 9, the first 1 through 9, uh, more than any of the rest of it. Although, as I, as I mentioned, the rest of it was better than I remember yeah, I personally think they go in order for me into like how much I like them. House of Balloons, I think, is the best one. Um, Thursday, second best. I, I still do like a lot of songs on Thursday, but House of Balloons was a little bit more cohesive than Thursday was. And then Echoes of Silence uh, was just okay for me. Still, still decent, but at that point, it was starting to get, I think, less... You less unique because at this point we've had 18 songs of the weekend doing his thing, and this extra 18, which included a dirty Diana cover, was just um, just never necessary. I didn't, I didn't need all that. Never so, what we need. But for quality, I do agree with you. I gave this to Chasing Summer. Um, I did think this was hard to judge though because Sir sings much better than the weekend, obviously. Um, period. Like in general, he sings better than the weekend, yeah, and especially true. on this album, he sings better than the weekend. But these are just two different types of R&B albums that I like for different reasons. Um, I was When I was going through this the first time, my gut was like, Trilogy's better. Like, you gotta choose Trilogy. But something in the back of my mind kept feeling guilty for saying that it was better than Chasing Summer. So I decided to listen to that part of me. And so Chasing Summer gets the win for me. So... Trilogy is now leading two to one as we go into cohesion. What are your thoughts? I, again, I think that cohesion has to go to Chasing Summer. The, like, dreamy, melancholy vibe goes straight through the entire album. Even the more hopeful songs sound uh, slightly depressed, Um, but not in a, like, coke bingey way where uh the weekend tends to go so uh this could be just my anti-weekend bias showing but i gave this to chasing summer as well okay um i also gave this to chasing summer uh while there is a sense of consistency in the sound across all three of the mixtapes that were combined i mean all three of them were essentially produced by two people um 
uh, what are their names? Doc McKinney and Il Angelo. They're Canadian uh, producers. Um, it's it's still three mixtapes combined, and you know the few added songs didn't really do a lot to like help the cohesion there. Um, and so as a whole, the project wasn't as cohesive as an album that was clearly meant to be cohesive in Chasing Summer. So I awarded it to Chasing Summer as well. It is now tied two to two as we go into Legacy. Your thoughts on the legacy of Trilogy versus the legacy of Chasing Summer? Um, I will leave the legacy of Trilogy to you. Mm -hmm. But um, I think Chasing Summer, at least in terms of the legacy in my life, is the first album in which I really became aware of Sir um, as a singer. And it put a big stake in the ground. So I guess I, I can't really say one way or the other. I would love to hear what you have to say about Trilogy. Uh, I chose Trilogy here. Um, Chasing Summer is Sir's second major label studio album and put him in conversations as one of the R&B artists with a lot of potential in the past few years. But I think the legacy of this individual album can't really compete with the album or the collection of projects that essentially launched The Weeknd. Um, the Weeknd is still working to create music that can surpass this as his magnum opus um maybe after hours will get there it's possible people really like after hours and i think it is a good combination of pop weekend and trilogy weekend essentially um but over the span of nine months he released all three of these mixtapes you know in nine months from march to i think it was december you know every three months we got a new one by this mystery man and so over the span of those nine months, he had people enthralled with his music, the mystery of him, because, you know, nobody knew who he was. He wasn't even really showing his face a lot on the covers and stuff. Uh, the uniqueness of his music, like The Weeknd was R&B's future, the artist's future, not like past, right. present, future. Right. He was R&B's future before future was even a thing. Like, I think so this came out in 2011 and I think future really blew up in like 2012 uh, maybe a little earlier, maybe around the same time. But The Weeknd was making the music that Future was make, it would end up making for hip-hop, you know, before R&B. Like, his music is nihilistic, it's full of debauchery and sex, and they're drug-fueled. Um, but it was all encompassed within an R&B lens, and that's just so different than anything we've gotten before. As far as who he's influenced, the list is is long. I don't think there's a party next door if not for The Weeknd. I would argue that FKA Twigs is a direct descendant of The Weeknd and his music. Tanache, Miguel's later work, um, which we're probably going to talk about later in Wild Heart, like some of the you know directions that different artists who are already a little established, some of the directions they took are influenced by what The Weeknd did and what the weekend made okay to do in R&B music. Um he I think he founded a subgenre of R&B, um a sound, a style and I think he's influenced the genre greatly and so for that I think that the legacy of trilogy is very strong. Yeah, that that's really interesting. And I I just to add on to that, I think it's very interesting that these two albums sit chron chronologically mm -hmm. at opposite ends of the decade. Trilogy came out in 2012. And it still feels very similar in like tone and voice to some of the other later albums that we're seeing, including including Chasing Summer. So I think 
that makes sense. It launched the weekend. It was ahead of its time, totally, and it influenced a lot of the great albums that we have in the decade. So I'm with you. Okay. So Trilogy officially moves on. The one seed avoids the upset. There have been a number of upsets um, in the tournament as far as some of the albums that got into those playing matchups, you know, at that low seed ended up upsetting the the higher seeds. Uh, Anti upset, self titled last week. Um, I think there was another case. Oh, um, Twenty Four Karat Magic almost upset Channel Orange, and I think we're gonna have some upsets later down the line today. Um, Trilogy moves on. The one seed advances to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, it is the third one seed to advance. We will see uh, later down the line if the remaining one seed, Blonde by Frank Ocean, can secure its spot. Let's move on to the four versus five matchup. Sweet Sexy Savage by Kalani, released January 27th, 2017, versus Shea Butter Baby by Ari Lennox, released May 7th, 2019. The success category, Sweet Sexy Savage, sold at least 500,000 units. While Shea Butter Baby sales are unknown, so Sweet Sexy Savage takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements, no Grammys for either album, although Shea Butter Baby certainly deserved one. Mm-hmm. Um, Billboard, uh, Sweet Sexy Savage has higher rankings and stayed on the charts longer, um, so it takes the lead. Um, and then Record and Achievements, both albums have one platinum and one gold song, so that part is tied. So the Billboard success of Sweet Sexy Savage gives it the achievement win, and it now takes a 2-0 lead. Uh, Quality. So going into this, I thought this was a lot for Shea Butter Baby. I I love that album. I think it was my second favorite album of of 2019 behind Revenge of the Dreamers and my favorite R&B album of that year. But then I listened to Sweet Sexy Savage again, kind of to give it a chance to prove it was the better album. And it really surprised me. Um, I had forgotten just how good it is. I haven't listened to it from start to finish in a long time. There are a number of songs, like maybe five or six from it, that stay in my uh, rotation, you know, like my playlist that I'm always listening to. Um, Kalani is an amazing, versatile artist who can give you an Aaliyah-inspired R&B bop, give you a ballad, give you a crazy pop hit. Um, But then I re-listened to Shea Butter Baby, and then I remembered why I thought that this was a lock. Um, Shea Butter Baby is just R&B through and through. Like, when you you think of an R&B album, like, when I think of an R&B album, like, at its base level... There, there are just certain things that you want to hear vocally and like from the production and like even the pace of the album. And I think Shea Butter Baby does that from the horns that start the album to the sultry, jazzy vibe she gives on the opening song, Chicago Boy. Um, the amazing performance and the kind of like old school jazz club smoking room vibe of Up Late, one of the biggest singles from that album. Um, it's just a quintessential R&B album, amazing songwriting, relatable content, beautiful performances. Um, so quality for me goes to Shea Butter Baby. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, these are both great albums, but I think for me, the difference came down to songwriting Mm. and the songwriting on Shea Butter Baby is spare enough to give Ari Lennox space to show off 
how good and how confident of a singer she is. Mm -hmm. And Sweet Sexy Savage's songwriting throughout, in my opinion, um, is a little bit overstuffed. There are too many words in many of these songs. (laughs) That's true. For Kalani to really get to show off her ridiculous range. And I, I think that just, I don't know. What do you think? No, yeah, that that's true, but I, I I do think that's also because Kalani kind of, I mean, and this she does this to herself, but you know she does that kind of like sing rapping mm-hmm. thing, where like some songs she's singing, some some songs she's rapping, some songs most songs she's doing both, like Personal, which is my favorite song from Sweet Sexy Savage, she's singing and she's rapping and she's doing very good at both, but yeah, like because she's like decides to do this like rap singing thing she's throwing a lot of words at you a lot of times over some like fast-paced beats um but i I get you there i get you there um i did want to add for the quality of shea butter baby uh the majority of that album was produced by elite and ron gilmore who are dreamville's in-house producers um and like they're og in-house producers so like ones that have been there from the beginning with j cole and have done a lot of work with him Um, And I think they really captured and crafted a sound that is perfect for her. I'm excited uh, for her second, her sophomore album. I think we might get it this year. She's dropping a single next week uh, on the 7th with Queen Nyjah. Uh, So I'm interested to see what the the tone of that is. She already dropped a few songs, um, you know, since the last album. I think there was a song called Chocolate Pomegranate, which was kind of in the same vein as this. So I'm just I'm just interested to see how her sound will evolve. But so she she gets a win here. Sweet Sexy Savage still leads two to one. Uh, what did you think for cohesion? I gave this one to Shea Butter Baby as well. Um, just like you said, the like jazz club smoky room vibe goes throughout the song. And from a narrative perspective, I could see all of these songs being about the same woman. Mm. Uh Whereas Sweet Sexy Savage, as the title suggests, kind of gives you different personas in different parts of the album. Got you, got you. That's a good point. Um, Yeah, this is definitely Shea Butter Baby for me. I think the album is so intimate, um, and that's because of how tight the album construction is. Mm -hmm. Each song flows nicely into the next, guided by like those Instagram uh, audio segments (laughs) that she sprinkles throughout. And thematically, it's incredibly consistent. I think the sweet, sexy, savage concept that Kalani employs where, you know, there are three parts to her. She was inspired by TLC's Crazy, Sexy, Cool. And so there are some songs where she's employing the sweet persona, some the sexy, some the savage. Um, That whole concept makes the album less cohesive uh, because as each song falls into one of those buckets, they're spread across the album. So the vibe of the album is consistently changing. Um... I thought it would have, I, I don't know if this would have been too like corny or weird, but I thought it would have been cool if there was the sweet section that went into the sexy sav- section that went into the savage section, or maybe not even in that order. But the way they're spread out, um, it's one, hard to tell, like, is this sweet or is this sexy? Because they can kind of be both. Like, there's not really a clear delineation between those. Savage can be sexy at the same time. So, you know. So for that reason, I didn't give cohesion to Sweet Sexy Savage. I, as you say that, though, I can see her maybe rationalizing the choice of scattering the themes throughout the album uh, by saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm an enigma. Right, right. Like, you never know what you're going to get when you're with me and I can change in one conversation. And I'm sure that's what she was going for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, it is now tied. 
Uh, two to two. Legacy of Sweet Sexy Savage versus the legacy of Shea Butter Baby. What are your thoughts? Hmm. I think that Ari Lennox used Shea Butter Baby as like a thesis statement for what her artistic perspective really is. Mm -hmm. And I... It's just such a strong statement that I think when we look back at her career, this will be maybe a, a stronger signpost of like what was to come than mm. Sweet Sexy Savage is for Kalani. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we've already seen two more projects from Kalani since, since Sweet Sexy Savage. She had that While We Wait EP and then obviously she released her It Was Good Until It Wasn't album last year. Mm. Um these are both debut studio albums um, from both artists. Kalani built upon the acclaim of her You Should Be Here mixtape, which was great. Um, and she delivered a solid project that really put all of her on display, as we've mentioned. I thought it was one of the best R&B albums to drop in 2017. But in 2017, we also got Control by SZA, Freudian by Daniel Caesar, and Finn by Sid. Um, so I didn't think it was the best R&B album that year, where, as I mentioned, I think Shea Butter Baby was the best album, the best R&B album we got in the year that it was released. It was Dreamville's first release from a woman, Dreamville's first R&B release. It showed that they could be more than just a hip hop dream team for male artists, um, showed that they could put some resources into a female artist and actually make a project that wasn't just thrown to the side. Um, I think the obvious black empowerment of this album that came from Ari Lennox being frank and honest and vulnerable and just being herself can't be understated. So I gave Legacy to Shea Butter Baby. Yeah. As well. I agree. Okay. Shea Butter Baby advances to the Sweet 16 uh, with a 3-2 victory over Sweet Sexy Savage by Kalani. It will advance to face Trilogy by The Weeknd. Uh, let's jump into the three versus six seed. The three seed reality show by Jasmine Sullivan released January 13th, 2015 faces off against the six seed, a seat at the table by Solange released September 30th, 2016. Uh, so about seat at the table released about 18 months later, uh, than reality show, something like that. Um, success. Reality show sold at least 30,000 units. Uh, seat at the table sold at least 500,000. So a seat at the table takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements. A seat at the table has one nomination and a win for Cranes in the Sky, while reality show has one album nomination and two song nominations for Let It Burn, but no wins. So I think a seat at the table takes the lead uh, with that win for Cranes in the Sky. I think it has that advantage. Uh, Billboard reality show spent more time on the top R&B chart, but it ranked lower in the other two charts. And I think we've set the precedent of that ranking, uh, the majority rankings, you know, being uh, prioritized here. So a seat at the table takes a bigger lead. And then records and achievements for a seat at the table, Beyonce and Solange became the first solo artist sisters to have a number one album at the top of the Billboard 200 in the same year. Um, plus, A Seat at the Table has one gold song, and there were no achievements for reality show. So, A Seat at the Table takes a 2-0 lead 
which in this particular matchup is pretty devastating for reality show as we go into quality. Um, reality show is an amazing album. Jasmine Sullivan is an accomplished songwriter and storyteller, and I think she delivered her most focused and cohesive project to date at the time. Um, vocally, there's not many female artists who can touch her, and her vocal performances were way better and more polished than her previous albums. Uh, Fearless, and I cannot remember the other one. Do you remember the name of her first album? I don't. I don't either. Sorry, Jasmine. Um, but... Wow, A Seat at the Table is just phenomenal. Um, It's an album about blackness through and through. Solange's voice has never seemed more powerful than on that album. Um, This album was an amalgamation of everything black people in America have thought for years, especially in today's society, and she encompassed it so nicely uh, in one package. It also helps that it's Solange's most beautiful album, and she has some beautiful projects. Um, Cranes is so pretty and serene that I actually forget that she's not talking about birds. Like the vibe of that song is just so like peaceful and just kind of like, like it kind of like takes you on a journey that it seems like, oh, she's got to be talking about seeing a beautiful crane fly, (laughs) fly in the the nice sky. Oh yes. It's just like cranes in the sky. And then you're like, wait, no, that's not what she's talking about at all. She's talking about construction cranes. Um, I actually, like, Don't Touch My Hair and FUBU are straight anthems. I think this album is an underranked six seed that will be a threat for the rest of this tournament. I gave quality to a seat at the table. Your thoughts? I'm I'm with you. Definitely in terms of Solange's catalog, this is going to be a standout, um, I think, for the rest of her career. Mm -hmm. Um, It's beautifully realized concept really sets it apart from anything else that was released that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I I guess I, I will also say, just in reality shows defense, that if this was about which singer is better, oh, Jasmine yes. Sullivan would win hands down. Yeah, every time. But as things stand, it's it's a seat at the table for me. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Jasmine. It It's reality show is so good. And I'm glad that it was nominated, um, you know, or I'm glad that it, you know, made it into the tournament. I do think it's, uh, she released two projects this period, um, and I think her debut, like, just missed being in this decade. I think it was maybe a year before this decade started. Um, But Reality Show is the best album that Jasmine released in that decade. It's an album that earned her her first Grammy nominations. She made possibly the best song of her career at the time in Let It Burn, um, but A Seat at the Table is a better album. Um, I won't get into A Seat at the Table's legacy and the cohesiveness of it because, you know, it's got, it's got some more conversations to be had, um, further in the tournament, but I do think that it would have completed a true sweep taking the cohesion and legacy categories. Yeah. Okay. Uh, joining, uh, her sister Beyonce with Lemonade, uh, with that, um, achievement. So, a seat at the table advances to the sweet 16, upsetting the three-seed reality show. Let's jump into the final um, matchup of the Diary of Alicia Keys division, and that is the two-seed Electric Lady. The Electric... I keep saying Electric Lady, I think, because of the song that I forget that there's a the in the beginning. She says it a lot in the song. Yeah. Sorry, Janelle. 
Um, uh, the two seed, The Electric Lady by Janelle Monet, released September 6, 2013, versus the eight seed, Four by Beyonce, released June 24, 2011. Uh, Four by Beyonce defeated uh saturn by neo uh to make it into the tournament and i forgot to mention earlier that chasing summer by sir defeated war and leisure by miguel to make it into the tournament before it was defeated by trilogy so let's see if four by beyonce can complete a serious upset here and make it to the sweet 16 to face solange's a seat at the table success four has sold at least 1.5 1.5 million units while the electric lady has sold at least 71,000. Four takes a 1 0 lead. Achievements Grammys Four has one win and a nomination for Love on Top, but no Grammys. Uh, oh, sorry, no Grammys for the electric lady. So Four takes the lead. Billboard um, I think Four earns enough points to get the win here. Uh, longer staying power on two charts and a higher ranking on one chart. So I think all of that combined um, is enough for it to extend its lead. And then if we go into the records, four has one platinum song and three gold songs, while Electric Lady has none. And uh, Beyonce also became the second female artist in the third artist period to have her first four albums debut at number one. Um so a blowout victory in the achievements category gives for a 2-0 lead. Quality, what are your thoughts? <sighs> <laughs> know where this is going with that uh, dramatic sigh. Uh, I think it's four. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of capital and... Um, editing like manpower that must have been behind this Beyonce project I think is difficult for anyone else to match what do you mean by editing manpower like there were I have to imagine there were more voices involved in what mm-hmm. this project would look like got you, got you. Than, than most projects get I, I know nothing about the music industry but I just <laughs> think the stakes were high at this point in Beyonce's career this is like her her debut post Matthew Knowles album, mm. um, so I I what I imagine to be those factors just produce a higher quality album in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's tightly edited again from what we know she must have in the catalog. Of course, um, I think she chose a lot of great songs, but she was you know vulnerable enough to leave Algebra in so. <laughs> I don't know. You're never going to let her live that algebra down. I won't, I won't bring it up again. <laughs> no, Sorry. please do. Please do. Please bring it up every single time that four is still in the tournament. I think it, it makes sense. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm going with four. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, so the electric lady is separated into two parts. Each of them are about 34 minutes. So, you know, you've got that sweet four and sweet five part of the electric lady. And honestly, what I really wanted is for part one to go up against four because I think that there was a chance that part one of The Electric Lady could have beaten four. Like, the first part is just so damn good. Like, incredibly funky, soulful song. She's got a Prince feature. She's got an Erica Badu feature. She's got a Solange feature. She's got Miguel probably in his prime feature and 
and no pun intended, the name of the song that she has with Miguel is Primetime. And it's incredible. Um, just back to back to back greatness. Like she was just hitting you over the head with all these amazing songs. And then I, I think with a couple of songs from that second part, like Victory, I love that song. Maybe It's Code or, you know, a couple, like a couple of songs from that part add into the first part. And just that's the album, just like maybe 11 songs. Mm-hmm. I think it could be untouchable, but you know, there are a few songs in the second part that don't do it for me. And I think four edges it out because of how tightly constructed it was, uh, how you mentioned. So four officially wins three Oh completes the crazy upset, uh, to make it into the sweet 16. And next week it will be Beyonce versus Solange, a seat at the table versus four. Um, I do want to mention in the electric ladies, um, favor i don't think it would have been a complete sweep i think that the electric lady is more cohesive um while i do think that four would have won legacy yeah so i think it would have been a four one win i agree okay so that uh wraps up the diary of alicia keys division in the sweet 16 uh next week i believe we're doing the sweet 16 all in one episode um so i believe next week we will have the one seed trilogy versus the five seed Shea Butter Baby and the uh, what is it? Six seed A Seat at the Table versus the eight seed uh, four by Beyonce. So both Solange and Beyonce came in at the lower seeds, upset their opponent, and now they will face off. Uh, so let's take a break uh, to have a quick word from our sponsor. Once again, this week's episode is presented by The Skin Store. For over 20 years, the Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, the Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skincare needs. You know, your boy over here has got the, the beard gang on lock, so you know, I might have to, might have to log on and see what they got, um, you know, for a healthy, flourishing beard. Um, you find your favorite brands like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, the Skin Store is offering listeners 20% off your next purchase by using the code POD. That's code P-O-D for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com slash pod.list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Exclusions apply. Let's get back into the show. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time uh, to finish up Round one in the confessions division, we have the one seed blonde going up against the nine seed painted, uh, the four seed dirty computer versus the five seed wild heart, the three seed the 2020 experience versus the six seed Finn. Is it Finn or Fiend? I think say whatever makes you comfortable. It's French. Okay. Finn rolls off the tongue, but I feel like it's Fiend because it's French. I'm sure it is Fiend, but okay. I'm, I'm not mad at you. Say Finn. All right. Um, and finally, the two seed Kaleidoscope Dream versus the seven seed Legacy. Legacy. Let's jump into it. Um, we have the one seed Blonde by Frank Ocean released August 20th, 2016. Versus the nine seed painted by Lucky Day released May twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. Painted by Lucky Day defeated to myself by Baby Rose in the playing game to make it into the first round. 
Success. Painted's sales are unknown, but Blonde sold at least 1 million units and takes a 1-0 lead. Um, achievements. So for Grammys, Painted has four Grammy nominations, one album nomination and three song nominations for Roll Some Mo and Real Games. And there are none for Blonde, so Painted takes the lead. Uh, Billboard, no Billboard success for Painted, but Blonde charted at number one for all of the charts and stayed there for over 200 weeks. So Blonde ties it up. And no records or other achievements for either album. So the achievements ends in a tie. So Blonde leads one to O to one. You have some thoughts? Not even Best Carpentry? <laughs> well, that was Endless. Right, right, right. So. Not the same. <laughs> but those were some great, that was a great staircase. Um, quality. I'm, I'm going to toss this over to you as I know how you feel about Lucky Day and Painted. I feel like Lucky Day's Painted is really like your album. Actually, I think it is your album because I think you drafted it into this, into the tournament. So. I did. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that I have a hard time here because I have known and loved Blonde for much longer than I have Painted. So it's hard for me to separate my... Um, nostalgic and just familiar feelings for the album from like the actual quality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling that if these albums had been released at the same time, I would have probably preferred Painted just because it's more my style of album. It's more conventional. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, I think that Frank Ocean did something much more inventive here than Lucky Day did with Painted. Um, the the album incorporates a lot of like beautiful orchestration, but also a lot of just weird soundscapes layered on top of one another. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that he captures a certain feeling of like restlessness and youth and fast living and depending on your friends to really be your your family and like the weirdness of social media mm-hmm. without ever really speaking to most of those th- those things directly which is a real achievement for a non-visual medium uh so all of that to say i gave quality to blonde wow okay what do you think that is not what i i literally wrote here i've quote i've heard everything you said about painted but i still think blonde is the better wow. album <laughs> you rebutted me in advance okay Okay, I see how it is. This co-host partnership is <laughs> not going how I thought it would. Look, we had this conversation <laughs> off mic already where you were leaning painted. So I feel like, you know, I had to be prepared for what you were going to throw at me. And I just thought I just knew you were going to you were going to favor painted. Well, um, I guess we both learned something here today. <laughs> I'm sweet, I'm sexy, and I'm savage. Is I'm that what mercurial, we like Kewani. Is that is how we how do we learn learned, that? Is what you learned, I already knew, so catch up. I don't I don't think that lesson was I don't think I learned that. Well, I don't know. I think I already knew that. Um didn't learn it here in this particular moment. Okay, well um say your so piece, quality. Um I've heard everything you've said. Uh, <laughs> I think blonde is the better album, I agree. Um, (laughs) the songwriting is just phenomenal. The theme of duality, um, throughout and how, you know, the theory that hasn't been really, uh, 
you know, verified, but that most people believe uh, how the album is kind of even centered in that duality and how every song has its counterpart because, you know, the album is like exactly an hour and split down the middle 30 minutes each way. So Nights is a two-part song. It's also directly in the middle of the album. When that beat switch happens Mm -hmm. at Nights, it's the second 30 minutes of the album. The first 30 minute ends right before that beat switch. So there's a theory that um blonde you know you know it's it's about duality you know it's it's got it's spelled b-l-o-n-d on the on the album cover but in like the magazine that he released with it it's b-l-o-n-d-e and people were like oh he's playing with you know the feminine versus the masculine and you know obviously he's talked about bisexuality and things like that and so people were like they think that the album is also um, dual in that you know once you split it up by 30 minutes each track has its counterpart in the album and I I looked for that in my listen and I think similarly to Damn by Kendrick Lamar when it was like if you listen to it backwards that's actually how it was intended to be listened and like I think both of these theories have their merits but there there isn't enough proof that that, that was what they were going for but I, I think it is a very strong theory but if that is the case, that's genius. Um, I think the introspective poetic lyrics, his performances, for the most part, outshine Lucky's for me. Um, like Skyline 2, Self Control, Godspeed, White Ferrari, some of the most beautiful songs in his catalog, in my opinion. So that's why I went with Blonde. Yeah. Uh, so Blonde continues to lead 2 to 0 to 1. Um, cohesion. What are your thoughts? Hmm. I think that... Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm torn here again. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Talk it uh, I think that the architecture and sleuthing that artists started to want their fans to do, like the, the, the Kendrick Lamar parallel that you brought in of like, hmm... Use your use your detective magnifying glass uh-huh. to suss out the breadcrumbs that I've left you and figure out what my album means. Of course. I personally find that really annoying. Um, okay, I'm with but, that. <laughs> but that That's has nothing to do with cohesion. Uh, I do think that Blonde is um, cohesive in its like frenetic non-cohesiveness, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I, even if one song doesn't necessarily sound exactly like the next, as a whole, I think it all comes together to create the picture that I think he was trying to. So for that reason, I'll go with Blonde for Cohesion. Wow. I went with Painted. Okay. Um, so you have Blonde advancing three to zero to one. Uh, I went with Painted. Um, I think that uh it's incredibly cohesive and it really feels like one long album with regards to the flow and the transitions are so smooth like uh i feel like lucky day does exactly what you want with like a cohesive r&b album in that um it's not just directly one song ends goes into the next like they they all flow into each other Um, and I think that Blonde doesn't necessarily have that because he, he's doing a lot in Blonde. Like, you know, he's pitching his voice up so that he can, you know, when he's talking about his younger years and he's, he's rapping and, he, and he's singing. And I just thought that the package that Lucky Day gave us was a little bit uh, more tight. 
So that's why I voted for Painted. So you have Blonde advancing and winning 3-0-1. to zero to one. I have Blonde leading 2-1-1 to one to one as we go into Legacy. What are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, this may be the last Frank Ocean album we ever get. So <laughs> for that reason, I guess I have to give it to Blonde. <laughs> Damn, no faith in Frank. None. <laughs> He's on a strict, I'll believe it when I see it basis for any future project. And that is fair. It has been almost five years since Blonde was released, and that seems ridiculous. It took him 16 years to make this, so... <laughs> 16! <laughs> It, it, there was a four point, oh, a four point, a four year uh, period between Channel Orange and Blonde. So clearly, you know, he's one of those artists like Kendrick is too. Um, even though Kendrick has at least been releasing like every two years, at least kind of. Well, yeah, kind of. But yes, I, I see your point. So your vote is for Blonde. Yes. So you have it advancing. Well, you already had it advancing four oh to one. I agree. Um, the more I listen to Painted, the more I hear just how influenced by Frank Ocean, like Lucky Day Seriously. is. The way he talks, sings, the structure of some of his songs, the song arrangements. Like, Lucky Day is a student at Frank Ocean University. Um, and so Painted directly stems from Blonde's legacy. So I had to give it to Blonde. Um, it was a brilliant sophomore ar- artist or album from an artist who impressed greatly in his debut. I'm talking about Frank Ocean. Um, and while it's not Frank Ocean's best album, I think it's his most personal, vulnerable, and polarizing album. There are a lot of people who don't like Blonde, um, and I think that's because of how great Channel Orange is. You know, he he kind of set the bar high, and Blonde is so completely different from Channel Orange that I I understand why some people don't like Blonde, but I don't understand why people don't like Blonde because Blonde is incredible. Like uh, White Ferrari alone. Just the influences that he takes in from other genres and just like, it's such a beautiful, like, just from a musical standpoint, Why Ferrari is an incredibly made song. And, you know, Frank takes a a lot of influences from James Blake. James Blake works with him on this album. Um, And that, that shines through. But yeah, I just think Blonde is an incredible album. And so it was, it was the win for me. So the one seed advances, all of the one seeds now advance to the Sweet 16. Um, just, just as a kicker, I, I, I had a tiebreaker prepared in case, in case that um, quality went the way that I thought it was going to go with Painted. Um, we already determined that Misunderstood was the best one from uh, Painted for Blonde. I had it narrowed down to Knight's Self Control or White Ferrari, kind of as a sleeper. What would you have considered the best song to be? Oh. Um, Is it another one that I didn't mention? There's Skyline 2. There's Pink and White. I know you like Pink and White. Beyonce's got some vocals in that one. I do. I think the the standout song in my music collection from Blonde is Solo. Solo. Um, That's a good one, too. Yeah. What were the songs again? Self-Control? I, I had Self-Control, Knights, and White Ferrari. I would say Knights. Knights. Um, yeah I'll just keep that in mind in case we need a tiebreaker for Blonde later down the line okay so let's jump into the 4-5 matchup we've got Dirty Computer by Janelle Monae uh, released April 27th 2018 versus Wild Heart by Miguel released June 29th 2015 Uh, success Dirty Computer has 54,000 known sales while Wild Heart had 40.5 thousand sales dirty computer takes a 1-0 lead 
achievements, Dirty Computer is 0 for 1 at the Grimms. With that one being a nomination for Album of the Year, which is, you know, R&B and, and rap albums don't get that a lot. While Wild Heart is 0 for 2, one album and one song. Um, I guess the precedent that we've set is that extra nomination give Wild Heart the win. But does it count more that Dirty Computer got an Album of the Year nomination or are we, we keeping with that extra nomination for Wild Heart? I think we should keep with the precedent. Yeah, that, that's what I figured. Um, okay, so Wild Heart takes the lead. Billboard, Wild Heart ranked higher on all three charts and had longer staying power, so Wild Heart extends its lead. And Records and Achievements, two gold songs for Dirty Computer and two platinum and a gold song for Wild Heart. So Wild Heart blows out uh, Dirty Computer, ties it up one-to-one. Quality. Uh, I think this is an interesting conversation because both of these albums are albums a few steps removed from traditional R&B. Wild Heart is R&B fused with rock and new wave, while Dirty Computer is pop and funk influenced. Um, But Dirty Computer is one of the best albums we've received in a long time. And I mean, period, not just R&B. It's full of songs empowering women and the queer community. And the representation in this album is just generally incredible. Um, the promotion of the value of self-worth, self-love, all while making one of the funkiest R&B albums. Um, it could be argued that no one is honoring Prince mm-hmm. like Janelle Monet uh, is, and she really lived that on this album. So this was easily Dirty Computer for me. Yeah, I, I agree. For the Prince tribute alone, and I think there was some conversation when Dirty Computer came out about whether Prince had actually helped produce he did. The Way You Make Me Feel. Okay. He did. I know she was being pretty cagey about it at the time, <laughs> but I'm glad that that's out there. Um, Miguel had some great collaborations on Wild Heart too, but for for that reason, I'm going to go with Dirty Computer. Yeah, and we, we talked about this off mic, but Miguel... <laughs> he just did so much. Look... So we'll talk about Kaleidoscope Dream uh, at the end of this in the two seed. But like he, he got a little down and dirty on Kaleidoscope Dream. I mean, there's a song on there called Pussy Is Mine. That's true. There's Arch Point talking about arching your back and pointing your toes during sex. Sure, sure, sure. But like I felt like Miguel spit in my mouth <laughs> while listening to this album. Like, I don't know if I like asked oh, for no. it. I didn't want it. <laughs> but like that is what he did <laughs> and I just wanted to put that out there <laughs> because this album oh, is grimy. <laughs> yeah, I was about as ready for you to say that as I was for the valley. Um wow. Uh, just the lyrics are like it's not even like the yeah. way he's performing it. His performances aren't like grimy. Like there are artists like Trey Songs where the way they perform a song makes you feel yes. like it's just like, ooh, the way you said that was just, that was a lot. But like, it wasn't even that for Miguel because he still kind of stays in that like, that like even killed sensual lane like he did in his first two albums. But just the lyrics were just like, whoa, I did not realize you said that until I re listened to that. That is okay. And I think that's an interesting parallel to The Weeknd for me and maybe why Miguel has never really super super connected for me as one of my favorite artists interesting undeniably he's an incredible singer but Mm -hmm. i think anybody that is singing about 
very intense sexual situations <laughs> with the cool detachment of a serial killer <laughs> just isn't gonna do it for me. Wow, that is that is how he sounds. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about the weekend? Both it, of them. Oh, both yeah, of them. I mean, to to a lesser extent, Miguel. No, yeah, He's that's got fair. a little bit that's more fair. warmth to his blood. The weekend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I understand that. <laughs> Um, okay, sorry, I just had to say that about Wildheart. Yeah. Uh, cohesion. Um, so I think the fact that Janelle Monet probably made this album with the, the plans and the thoughts of turning it into her emotion picture, you know, her visual album that she released for it, the fact that she made it with that in mind possibly caused it to be created with cohesion in mind. Yeah. Um, I do think that Wildheart is pretty cohesive and that dark sound and vibe persists throughout. But Dirty Computer is on another level just because I think cohesion was like top of mind. So I gave it to Dirty Computer. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Um, so Dirty Computer advances with a 3-1 victory. Um, we'll talk about Legacy another time, but I think it would have won that as well. Um, what were your, did you have, what were your thoughts? Did you have Dirty Computer winning Legacy over Wildheart? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I definitely think so. Okay. Yeah, so it would have won 4-1, but not a complete sweep. Uh, a complete sweep. Uh, Wildheart uh, edged it out in the achievements, but it did not win. So Dirty Computer will go on to the Sweet 16 to face off against Blonde by Frank Ocean. That'll be an interesting matchup. Mm. Um, the three versus the six seed. We've got the three seed, the 2020 Experience by Justin Timberlake, um, released... Uh, when was it released? Sorry. March 15th, 2013 versus the six seed Finn by Sid released February 3rd, 2017. Um, I will say I can, I briefly considered not including, um, Justin's album here after the whole, the whole Britney Spears situation that's happened lately. I was like, should we not be, you know, including Justin Timberlake and stuff right now? Um, but just the, the quality of this album when it was released, I, I was like, no, it needs to be, it needs to be featured. Um, but I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. Um, success. No known album sales for Finn, but 2020 has sold at least 3.8 million units. Um, the 2020 experience takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements, no Grammys for Finn, but the 2020 experience is one for one, winning best R&B song for Push Your Love Girl, takes a lead. Billboard, it charted higher on all three charts, extends its lead, and no records or achievements for Finn, but the 2020 experience had the best sales week of 2013, the largest in five years for male artists, fastest selling album in iTunes history at the time, and the best album of 2013. Um, so the 2020 experience blows out Finn and takes a 2-0 lead. Quality. Do you want me to go first or would you like to go first? I'll go first. I didn't want this to be the case, but the 2020 experience is an excellent album. (laughs) And I can't deny it. Um, he's at the top of his game vocally. Uh, Timberland held back on the baby sounds more or less and just produced a really great album. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I. <sighs> Finn is great. It's intimate. It's soft. Um, it's like 
aggressive when it wants to be, but otherwise it's like very restrained. And that is the exact opposite of what the 2020 experience does. Lavish, yeah. For, yes, most of that very long album. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet, even, even though it is sort of big and and grand, it's not over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that balance made me go with the 2020 experience. Reluctantly, go listen to Finn. It's amazing. It is. Um, I actually went with Finn here. Um, I do think that the 2020 experience is the best album between these two, but I think that Finn is the best R&B album. And so that is why I gave it my vote. I mean, I saw the writing on the wall, <laughs> you know, already anyway. Um, but Sid's silky vocals shine on this album she's allowed to like you know really take some chances that she might not necessarily have taken with the internet um in their their work she actually mentioned when she released this that what she went for on this album was like some of the like uh not like risks but some of the things that she hopes that the internet would do Mm -hmm. like in the future so this i guess kind of her like testing that stuff out um her performances over some modern production is amazing you know ego death and what the internet does is all like live instrumentation but you know she's on over here on some like like some like 808s and like type stuff and it it still really works she's clearly influenced by 2000s r&b and she really exemplifies those styles on this album the song no is as Aaliyah as it gets um and to the point that I checked to see if Timbaland produced this song because, like, the production of that song sounds like Aaliyah and Timbaland. Like, mm-hmm. like Aaliyah has songs that sound like No, and it was not produced by Timbaland, so shout out to that producer. And shout out to them for really capturing that sound. Um, Finn does more for R&B in my book, and so that's why I gave it the win. So you have 2020 advancing 3-0, I have uh, I have it up to one. Um, but as we go into cohesion, for me, I think the 2020 experience officially wins. Um, I actually do think that Sid traversing through a few modern styles and Finn and then coming back to her traditional style at the end makes the album not as cohesive as the 2020 experience. And so I gave it the win. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, everything we've already talked about, the production the songwriting on the 2020 experience exceptional um even every song being you're so songs. reluctant to I say am. all these things i'm mad i'm mad about how good this album is it's good um because he doesn't deserve any further accolades um also push her love girl is not the best song on this album no so i would be doubly upset if i was anybody who was up against him for this 2013 grammy yeah but i digress yeah. Yeah. It is highly cohesive. <laughs> he may proceed. Um, so he does proceed right into the Sweet 16. Um, c- congratulations to Finn. You know, the way the way it shook out with the seedings, she had to go up against a tough three seed there. Um, so let's jump into the final matchup of the Confessions Division and the Fan Love Conference, and that is the two-seed Kaleidoscope Dream by Miguel, which was released uh, September 25th, 2012, versus the seven-seed Legacy Legacy by Jamila Woods, released May 10th, 2019. Legacy Legacy defeated uh, We Are King by King in the play-in round to get here. Um, Success. 
Legacy has no known sales, but Kaleidoscope Dream had at least 1 million, so Kaleidoscope Dream takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements, no Grammys or nominations for Legacy, but Kaleidoscope Dream is 1 for 5 at the Grammys with a Best R&B Song win for Adorn, so it takes the lead. No Billboard charting for Legacy, but Kaleidoscope charted high on all three charts. It extends its lead. No records or achievements for Legacy, but Kaleidoscope has two platinum songs and one gold song, so a blowout victory in the achievements gives Kaleidoscope Dream a 2-0 lead. Quality. Um, I personally think that quality is the hardest category in this tournament. Um, you know, success and achievements have already been done. They've been discussed. They're kind of like set in stone. Cohesion, uh, you know, it's, it's usually easy to tell which one is more cohesive. Um, legacy, I, I would say, I guess I'd say legacy and quality are equally as hard. But like hip-hop, there is a time and in place for each subgenre. Um, how it's okay to like Future and Kendrick Lamar equally. Um, I think there's a time for some socially conscious R&B, like Legacy. Um, and there's a time for some sexy, sensual, dreamy R&B, like Kaleidoscope Dream. So I had to go with my gut here. I think Legacy is an amazing album, but Kaleidoscope Dream is some steamy R&B with just perfect, passionate vocals from Miguel. And so I gave it my vote. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. I think that Kaleidoscope Dream was made for the for the Billboard charts. It's yeah. just sensual enough uh, to not put off most like parents of teenagers. I think <laughs> yeah. Um, unlike the album we discussed previously from Miguel, <laughs> um, he's got some some great radio hits on here. How many drinks? Despite some maybe iffy iffy undertones, yeah, consent yeah. wise, there is a is a fun song. It is it from is. a musical perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I think legacy, even as its lyrics sort of challenge you to look at all of these different artists in a different light, it still feels like maybe it could have been polished a little more before it was released. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for that reason, I would give it to Kaleidoscope Dream. Okay, Kaleidoscope Dream officially moves on. Miguel had three albums in this tournament. Beyonce was the only artist uh, to match him in that. But unlike Beyonce, um, this is Miguel's uh, only remaining album in the tournament. Beyonce... Does she have all three? No, Beyonce has two albums remaining in the tournament. One in the Critics' Choice, one in the Fan Love Conference. So, the Sweet 16 is locked in. Next week, we will be discussing Black Messiah versus Beauty Behind the Madness, Lemonade versus Channel Orange, Control versus Ego Death, Awaken My Love versus Anti. Trilogy versus Shea Butter Baby, A Seat at the Table versus Four, Blonde versus Dirty Computer, and The 2020 Experience versus Kaleidoscope Dream. We're really getting into the, the serious matchups where those quality and those legacy categories are really worth a lot more now, or they're at least like harder to come to a, to a clear winner. And those success and achievement categories start to become worth a lot more now either because now that we're in such, such tough competition, if you take 
you know, that 2-0 lead to start with success and achievements, it can be really hard to uh, for an album to come back from that. So we'll see what happens. Um, thank you to Karen for uh, joining uh, once again with this. Next week, we will uh, eliminate half of the albums and we will have an Elite Eight. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh once again, go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com, uh, sign up for the mailing list, or go to the newsletter tab for the song of the week in the press play segment. There's also a under the extra content tab, there's a tournament section where, you know, as you're listening to this, um, it will be updated with the updated bracket that now has all Sweet 16 um, contenders in it. Um, follow the podcast. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TOTB the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listening. You're listening to this podcast. Um, yeah, this has been thinking outside the boombox. Your number one source for hip hop and R and B news. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.